0: Hey, welcome to the Circle of Salt, the podcast where we use our snark to protect the occult community from itself and others. Circle of Salt is brought to you by Felix Warren, aka Dot Ass, and Rune Emerson.
1: aka Dot Other Ass. Thank you. Thank you for that. So since our, this is our first podcast, so to give you an idea of what's to come while you uh, listen to our voices go on and on about amazing topics, our first segment is called Dish, and that's when one of us goes on about something that um, we are salty about. The second segment is discourse, where we talk about a serious subject in the occult community that we have some interest in and want to get some discussion on. And then the third segment is divine, where we each get out our divination tools and answer questions that you send in or we make up. And with that explained, Rune, I think you have a dish to dish about. I
0: do. Today's dish of salt is served by me and is entitled, Why Witch is a Thing. So, this is something that really bothers me, and I run into it, like, a lot, and I'm sure all of you have heard it, like, ad nauseum yourselves, and that's kind of why, that's kind of what we do with this particular segment. We pick on those bullet points or those little, like, arguments or those ridiculous little, like, Oh, chestnuts that people just won't let go on, on Tumblr, on Facebook, um, in our local communities, whatever. Like, just one of those arguments or one of those issues that just completely drives you nuts when it comes up or when it just, it's it's stupid. So, um, mine is, I hate it when people tell you that... Anytime you say that being a witch is a thing and try to describe the thing to somebody, that you're policing it and that you're a gatekeeper and a monster and somehow the thing that you're saying is horrible. Um, Automatically, they're like, fuck your rules. And it makes me nuts because, like, okay, on the one hand, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people who try to tell you that being a witch is, like, something that it really isn't at all. Like, they try to say to things like... Oh well, you're if you're a witch then you're like a priestess of wicca or you're like a an ancient bloodline descended from Atlantis or some uh, some bullshit. Um and those people are obviously problems and this is a problematic subject to bring up. Almost all of the dish subjects are going to be problematic, so just be braced for that. Um but the, the difficulty that we run into, we tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater when we tell people, don't tell someone that they're not a witch. Um, most of the people I know who are actually really interested in helping other witches aren't trying to tell people what is a witch or what isn't a witch because they're trying to tell them that they aren't a witch. Usually it's because they're trying to tell them, okay, you are a witch. And um, here's some stuff you might want to know just because it almost ate my head when I was about 16 years old or... It was kind of important, I wish someone had told me. And so that really bugs me. Um, When someone tells you that being a witch is a thing, and you instinctually, internally go, no, not a thing, you are being a witch at that moment, because being a witch is defiant. So anytime someone says, well, your idea of what a witch is is wrong, and I don't agree with it, I kind of giggle because you just proved my point for me. Um, So that's kind of where I go with all this. Um, When we make big blanket statements like this is how all things are, or this is how all things are not, or something to that effect, or anybody who does this, it automatically makes them not the thing that they're talking about. We're wrong most of the time. We're wrong most of the time. Absolutes are a dangerous place for anyone in magic to go because absolutes are a commitment. And as soon as you make that commitment, you're the one who's holding that line. You may not be alone. There are a lot of people who kind of will join the line with you. But in my experience, extremes and joining the line for an extreme is generally a mistake because uh, the people who are hanging out there are the ones that um, the only thing they care about is that line. And they care about that more than morality or compassion or really anything so anyway that's where i'm going with today's salt i've heard it a little bit too much recently it is just shortly after beltane and there have been an awful lot of people who are like well real witches celebrate blah 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 real witches do blah 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 and i'm getting a little tired of all of that particular subject so yeah thumbs down on that and that was me for now
1: yeah I've watched this um, I've watched this topic get bad at back and forth since I was in like IRL communities for witches back in the 90s and and now on tumblr and it gets very annoying to me because there's a few things where I think okay if we use a word um, a word has to mean something
0: yeah, we're like, doing things. I just had someone yeah. say that to me recently, and it drives me nuts when she, because she's right. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, because like I, I, get very frustrated when someone's like, "Oh, a witch can be all kinds of things." I'm like, "Okay, well, once you delineate those things, that's great. Because then we know what a witch is." Right. And I'll be like, "Oh, but, um, you can't just you know, say that. Uh, witches like." have to do this and this and this and this and this like you know anybody who does witchcraft is a witch and I'm like okay you've just defined a a witch witch is
0: someone who does witchcraft
1: exactly and then there are those people who are like
0: well not all witches practice magic and you know what I actually have to draw a line there I've had a couple of people I've talked to recently about that Felix you were actually part of that conversation so you know about it But and several of the people who are probably listening to this actually are over there kind of going, woo, because they were part of this conversation as well. (laughs) Um, uh, I have to draw a line there. No, witches practice witchcraft. They practice witchcraft, they practice witchcraft. You can't pretend that you don't do spells and that still means you're a witch. Okay, if you're a witch, you're a witch, but witches practice witchcraft. You can be a witch who doesn't practice witchcraft, But witches practice witchcraft. So if you are a witch who doesn't practice witchcraft, you're a shitty witch. You're a shitty witch. That's like saying an artist who doesn't do art. That's like saying (laughs) a mathematician who doesn't even use a calculator. You know, that's like someone who doesn't even, they don't do the thing. Witch is a word that refers to an entire profession and an entire practice. And if you don't do those things, then you're basically a cosplayer and there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something wrong with saying you're a witch, trying to be a witch, trying to live up to this whole concept, trying to make this part of your life, identifying with it, and then denying all of the fun parts of being a witch because I gotta tell ya, there's a whole lot about being a witch that sucks and you saying, "Well, I'm a witch, but I don't do witchcraft." Um, okay, if that's a confession of I need help, I need some help learning how to do this. Great. Ain't none of us perfect. Ain't none of us know everything. But like if you're if you're saying, "I'm a witch and I don't do witchcraft," so yeah, um, that was pretty much the only thing about being a witch that made it worth doing.
1: And I find it kind yeah. of funny though because you have some people who are like, oh, I'm not, I'm a witch, but I really don't do spells. But like a lot of things happen around me and it's like, okay, so you're innately doing magic. Right. Which means you're doing witchcraft. Right.
0: <laughs> and I'm over here going, okay, so I come from a tradition where they differentiate the idea of witchery, meaning the magicy weird shit that happens around witches, and witchcraft, which is the actual practice of learning how to do it deliberately. But even so, like that's a kind of new differentiation and it's not terribly important um the the idea that you do the thing is that's enough if you do the thing you're the thing you know so sorry i interrupted go ahead
1: no that's fine i basically just wanted to get that there and i think the other thing is that sometimes people manage to finagle themselves into the whole oh i'm a witch who doesn't do magic by redefining what magic is right like, if you don't burn candles
0: and speak to Hekate under the full moon, then you're not a witch. And I'm over here going, no, that's the stuff that people use to to try to police it to make you, like, a witch is only the thing that me and my friends are, and you should avoid that.
1: No, They're the only four witches in the world, and yes. they're helping to stop the apocalypse from happening.
0: Oh... Yeah, you know, I've actually heard that one a lot. Not the four witches in the world, I've heard that one too. But the whole, like, witches exist to stop the apocalypse or exist to make things, like, not die. Only the specific
1: group of, of friends, though.
0: You know, oh, because right. they
1: they all know each other from a past life.
0: Yes, but and see, this is... Ooh, we could get into that one too. Uh, that's <laughs> going to have to go on another dish segment because that is an entire subject. That whole past lives amongst witchcraft conversation. Okay, that puts my hair on fire a little bit.
1: I'm just Um, writing it down. I'm writing down past lives bullshit. Yes, And then we can dish that later. Yes, we'll definitely dish that later. I think we're hitting around the mark where we actually want to talk about actual discourse.
0: Yeah, let's actually get into something serious. Um, What were we talking about today? Uh, Well, I think that we were kind of trying to um, go from the understanding that being a witch is a thing practitioners of magic actually do stuff. There's actually stuff going on. And um, that is something that we were trying to aim towards. And I think that where we were going from there was into the concept of the mechanics of magic itself, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, that's our discourse today is on the mechanics of magic.
0: Right. Okay, cool. This is very raw, guys. And we're not going to apologize because, you know, this is our first time. Be gentle see here. I made notes for this. I'm anal, I'm a Virgo, we're anal. I'm a Leo, I just like attention. That's true. But to be fair, you're good at getting attention. And when I say that, I mean like, when you when you get attention, it's
1: because it's worthwhile paying attention to you. That's very nice to hear. <laughs> that's my magical ability that's completely innate because I'm a witch who doesn't have to cast spells to get attention.
0: Okay, so now that first segment that we just went through, Dish, is also referred to by the mystical epithet of Hekas, Hekas, Este Bullshit.
1: <laughs>
0: and we will be using them more coherently later. I just forgot about them this time. And now we're moving into the next segment, which is affectionately known as Echo Chamber Azarak. also known as the Discourse Section. Discourse. Yoke. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk. So metaphysics, like the mechanics, how the fuck does magic even work? Let's talk about this. What is magic? What are witches?
1: What is the deal? So are we talking about only witches or are we talking about like all magic?
0: Ah, you know what? Let's start with witches because that's where we came from, but we can expand into whatever we want.
1: Start with witches. Yeah, yeah so good. I i am annoying because you've already heard me like go on before that I'm rather loosey-goosey about What is magic and what is the mechanics of magic? Um, Mostly because, as you've seen in my practice, and a lot of Tumblr has seen in my practice, it's built around stuff like, oh, I found some trash on the road. I'm going to do something with this. Um, Or, you know, drawing and writing, whatever creative stuff. But there are actual mechanics to it. It's just that I tend to work with stuff that is um, a little bit more defined by intuition, creativity, and impulsiveness. Oh, there you go. Okay, but it works, and that's kind of the key, isn't it? Yeah, it works. It's an actual thing that's happening, as opposed to oh, sometimes it works, and sometimes oh, who knows? Maybe what just like you know, fate wasn't in alignment or whatever.
0: And see, I always have this rule: like, if you are, if you're espousing yourself as a part of a profession of some sort, a part of a craft, whether it be like i don't know lawn chair wicker making or act, or you know like brewing up potions or i don't know whatever um, astrology astronomy cooking anything practical anything that has a practical result then your your merit as a practitioner has to be defined by your ability to get results and have them be doable so for me, the mechanics has always been more important than um, the feeling of identity. Like, uh, so that's just always been a big deal for me. Um, so I guess the, the whole point of that is, like, if you're calling yourself a witch, if you're calling yourself a uh, sorcerer, a wizard, a shaman, a Kabbalist, a ceremonial you know, practitioner of Solomonic tradition, whatever the hell you wanna call yourself, you know, uh, if, if it's not just a philosophy for you, if it's not just a way that you're going to follow stuff, just kind of like a, oh, well, this is how I look at the world, and this is what it means for me morally, um, then what you're looking at here is results, and that means you need to understand how the mechanics work, and that means that you have to understand that magic is objective. It has an objective reality. It works Because if it didn't work, we wouldn't do it. So, Felix, when you talk about your trash magic, when you talk about, you know, your found object practice and all that kind of stuff, um, and I will admit that I don't understand most of your trash magic. um,
1: It's still in the experimental stage, so I don't understand all of it either.
0: I kind of feel like most magic is in experimental stage. Like, um, as is clearly known by anybody who's read my book, um, I'm a... Like a tarot magician, a, a cartomancer is the primary method I do my public magic. Anytime I do magic where I'm interacting with the outer world, it's either through my through my nocturne tradition of witchcraft or through my cartomancy and usually both. But there's a lot that is still very experimental there. Like magic is in, an, in its nature very, uh, there's an awful lot to be learned there. Like even when you think you know a lot there's still so much to be to be learned there's still so much to know so i guess what i guess what we should really focus on what we come down to is uh, what is the mechanic behind your magic how does your mechanic work
1: how does, y- how does you're work? you are being the the individual listening yeah yeah okay I don't even know what that meant. <laughs> well, you're saying, what is your individual mechanic of magic? Or oh, I'm, I'm
0: talking yeah. about you specifically. Felix. Me specifically. That's you what magic. the
1: podcast is about. OK. Yes, that's right. OK, <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm a Leo. Um, <laughs> and I actually had to think about this quite a lot, because I started offering my services, well, as a service, on Etsy for real monies that people Aww. could pay me,
0: Welcome which to means. Town. May I service you? What? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I didn't even hear all of that. That is totally acceptable.
1: <laughs> We're just gonna move right along. Yeah. Um dun, 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 dun. Put loose and fancy free. Mm. Um I hated that movie. Oh my goodness, now we have to stop the podcast. <laughs> I'm just bye. No door opens footsteps away. Is that your way of saying you want a divorce? <laughs> This is just going to keep happening. So apparently there's a fourth
0: segment, you guys, uh, called divorce. And that's the part where we disavow any knowledge of each other. (laughs) (laughs) That's the end of the podcast. (laughs) Uh,
1: Anyway. um, It's great. It even
0: even rhymes with discourse. So going back to you servicing people.
1: Right. So I do it for money. And the thing is, whenever you service people for money, you um, have to give them that service um and it has to be the service that they requested and it has to work and my particular service i actually do two of them one is divination Um, specifically i do readings to tell people uh, what spirits are trying to tell them um and two i do drawings either of spirits or of like some spiritual aspect of the person who's getting a drawing and All of these are things that I kind of have to just do on command whenever somebody hits the buy button on Etsy. It's not something where I can just like sit at home and be like, oh, well, I'm not really sure if I'm getting it this time, but doesn't really matter because I'm doing it for myself. Now that somebody is actually charging for this service, or now that somebody is giving me money for this service, I actually have to deliver each time. And I had to actually get past the stress of that before offering this because it's quite a lot it like felt like quite a lot of gall to be able to say like yeah if you tell me the name of a spirit and give me a couple of identifying features I'll be able to draw them for you
0: well and you know the interesting thing about that has someone who has actually had you do this on multiple occasions for me um, I'm in a really good position to kind of um, review or critique your services which I think is crucial to this kind of service in general the ability to have a bar of review from peers The ability to have people put checks and balances on your practice, not through um, control, but more through evaluation. I think that's kind of crucial to our practice in general. Um, It's clear that you are successfully doing this. I mean, you are stupidly good at this. I think I have mentioned to, well, anyone in earshot whenever the subject's been brought up. Um, Felix is actually really, really talented, and I I don't get effusive about people's talents very often, because I'm very, um, I'm familiar with the kinds of practices that people can get up to, the various different skills that you can harness into something magical. Like, when someone is successful at a divination, I'm like, oh yeah, you were right on, thanks. I don't really look at it and go, oh my god, you are so amazing, how did you even do that? Because I've been doing this for long enough that I know that Uh, If it didn't work, we wouldn't do it. The thing is, what you do is it beggars belief sometimes. It's just incredibly efficient, empowering, and just it exceeds anyone's expectations. Unless, of course, they're greedy, entitled fucks, in which case you're never really going to make much of a difference with them.
1: They don't pay money if they're a greedy, entitled fucks, i found. Right,
0: and so then you don't have to do it so often. (laughs) Um, but the the point is, it is working. It does work. You you get results, and people are astonished by those results. You get regular commentary about this. How does it work? Is the question of our mechanics of magic thing? How
1: does it work? So that is something I've had to actually answer to a couple of clients because they're like, "Is the spirit showing up at your place?" Or um, like, whenever they're there, are they are they telling you anything? And and sometimes the answer is yes on both, and sometimes the answer is no. Um, part of the way that my spirit drawing works is that one, I'm able to kind of you know create talismans like, talismanic right. art. Yes. Um, and I'm using the lens of, well, basically, I just call it, call it my psyche. Um, I'm using the lens of how I detect spirits and spiritual stuff around me, and looking into that lens and then drawing what comes out. But a lot of people look at my art and think that I saw that whole thing and then just drew whatever it is that I saw, but right, I actually like yeah well not even that I copied it just that like you know in my head I get this whole complete vision of what the piece looks like and that would be really great except it's not what happens right um I get it like line by line sometimes I get like okay they're I get a flash of a pose and sort of how they're how they are except like I drew Mercury recently and he was in a pose I'm like that's not anatomically possible and he's like I'm a god and I'm like Haha ha, mercury but right. if you ever worked with mercury then you're like yeah haha, ha, mercury
0: um okay like real quick though like yeah. let's stop there for a second because yeah, sure this because what we've done right there is raised a number of questions um for people who are just turning tuning in okay so i want to make a quick uh caveat what we are describing when we talk about the mechanics of magic is what we have experienced so Please understand, if you've experienced something that doesn't jive with our understanding, um, please feel free to comment, send us an ask, or send us a a comment or something like that. If you have an interesting enough story, we might actually ask you to be a guest on the show. Um, But we're going to talk from our experience until we have something else that kind of, you know, uh, until we have some new understanding, we're going to talk from what we do understand. So one of the things that got brought up, Um, Well, three. I'm actually noticing three different things. One, Felix does spirit portraits, which means that there are spirits. Yeah, sorry about that. No, it's okay. It's fine. (laughs) No,
1: I'm not apologizing to you. I'm just apologizing to the audience. Sorry, audience. There are spirits. Oh, yeah. That is actually, okay, yeah. So that is
0: the first point that we need to bring up. There is a metaphysical reality, and we interact with it But even though it's metaphysical and interacted with through our psyche, through our mind, through our own spirit, it's clear to nearly every occultist who actually gets involved in like serious results practice. To most of us, it becomes pretty clear that it's objective. It exists outside of our imagination, although we are able to interact with it through our psyche.
1: That is actually the thing that shocks people the most whenever they get art from me.
0: Yeah. It's daunting. I had um, okay, so I personally have always interacted with the objective of reality of magic. It's been my thing since I've been involved in it. I my idea was if it works for me, it's gonna have to work for at least more than me. It's gonna have to work for other people as well. If it happens for me, it's got to have happened to someone else in the past. I don't live in a vacuum. It's funny because when Felix did his spirit portrait work in front of me the first time, like the very first time I got to actually see some of his spirit portraits, I had actually encountered one of the spirits that he had described and recognized some of the things that he was drawn with and was like, motherfucker, (laughs) that is 20 years a joke in the making. And so it's interesting to me to have people... Um, experience his stuff, I personally get a little like malicious giggle because enough experience with someone who has a talent like yours, Felix, or a talent like some of the others that I, that I personally have um, you know, available to me or have witnessed other people working, when you can't shake your head and, and write it off as coincidence or decide that it's just going on in someone's head, that's what I really like. I enjoy that. So the first thing that I want to identify is whether or not you personally are a subjectivist and you believe that all the things that you're experiencing are all going on in your own head and everything is all very subjective and you have to kind of start with yourself and blah, 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 blah. That's not necessarily the case. Stuff exists. People can see it. People can interact with it. And they aren't interacting with it just based on their own ideas. It's not an agreement. It's not a... It's not a a, a mass hysteria, it really is there. And so that is the first place that you have to start whenever you're understanding the concept of metaphysical mechanics. Um, Second thing, Felix brought up the concept of talismanic art. A talisman we have to define as a piece of artwork, an image or some sort of crafted object that is designed to impact the world in a way that makes change on a metaphysical level that therefore affects the physical. For example, a talisman that reveals to you a truth inside your soul is um, something that you could easily see as just kind of a like a mental thing. You could see it as a psychological thing. But a talisman that changes the weather has a physical, empirical result. Talismans have results, and if you only ever experience the ones that are kind of psychological. Or you only embrace their existence then you're going to think that they're pretty much just kind of pretty art that has a powerful impact on people's minds you're not going to realize they actually shape the forces that move the world so talismans are a thing as well just so we're clear felix makes talismans they are a thing he makes talismans based on the spirits he's interacting with which are also a thing so Those are the first two established pieces there. We're just going to, we'll go with that. I'll get to the third in a bit. Go.
1: Yeah, so, um, and that's all pretty pertinent for how I do the actual process of this too, because um, I can do talismans that do not involve direct spiritual interaction and in a spirit you know, telling me what it is that they want. It's just that I really enjoy the spirit part of things. And so I tend to focus on that a lot because I like doing what I enjoy. Right. Um, and it's a lot less lonely to do talismanic art and um, just art in itself. If there is a spirit on the other end kind of interacting with me, it's like having a conversation. You know, um, I didn't
0: think of that, but it really would be sort of like having a really comfortable environment where you get to interact with the model.
1: Yeah, pretty much, it's like, um, because a lot of times, like, I've done, like, lots of live drawing sessions with live, you know, real human in a body models, and a lot of times they're not really able to interact with you because they're too busy staying still. Oh, yeah, but,
0: you know, with spirits it doesn't matter
1: because, you know, they can talk without moving. (laughs)
0: Right, I was just interacting with someone recently who was like, you have to make your model actually, like, talk,
1: because they will fall asleep oh that's fine actually if they fall asleep then they're staying still oh well
0: not if they're standing
1: Oh yeah, a standing model. Well, the standing model, um, or even
0: if they're like sitting in like a, a stool or something.
1: If they're sitting, okay. This is kind of like an off-topic subject, but I'll tell you probably off podcasts a, oh. a few things I know about models and just generally how you manage that. But a lot, like, any kind of long-term pose is usually designed to where you can fall asleep in it. Um, oh, okay. If anybody who is a, an experienced model manager is uh, setting up the studio, because. Isn't it nice to just fall asleep? <laughs> okay. Well see, and I don't have any experience with that. That's yeah. kind of cool though. Yeah, so um but yeah, that's kind of a side note. Um sorry. I would but I would like to like make a note that I have a lot of experience drawing live people and with fine art, and that's part of why I'm able to do what I am doing. Like I've always been able to do the the spirit drawing stuff, but I'm able to do it so well by now because I've got that IRL training that gives me kind of a a bedrock underneath. Like even when, you know, I'm drawing a god, say Mercury, and Mercury's doing something that involves him probably not having a neck. I'm like, Okay, well (laughs) I have to adjust this drawing so it looks like you have a reasonable neck and he's like, No, you don't and I'm like, that's something you would say. But (laughs) Right. I feel I do. Yes, um, exactly. they so are so, not in charge. So. Yeah, it's like they are to some degree in charge. That's It's, it's interesting whenever you're doing this kind of interaction because like a model artist interaction, the artist does have to be in charge of a lot of things. Right. But the, the model is also in charge of a lot of things like, one, their own self-sovereignty. Right. Um, and two, like, is this comfortable? Is, is this supposed something I can do? Is it supposed I can hold for 10 minutes? Well, you want me to hold it for 30, and that's not reasonable right um i've drawn a model who was standing on his head and he managed to hold that pose for 10 minutes oh wow that's kind of crazy yeah it was actually (laughs) he was a little bit dizzy afterward but you know he couldn't have done that for 30. well and if you're
0: going to get into like mechanics or something like that oh you know what we we could easily turn this into an art podcast so we probably shouldn't um but i would like to bring this up um so that brings up the other two points that i kind of wanted to bring up with this whole mechanics of magic concept one is, you were talking about being able to interface with the, uh, the metaphysical uh, reality, being able to interact with these spirits directly using your own perceptions, and that it kind of went through a particular process for you, a kind of an unfolding process that was part of the artwork, right? Yeah. Okay, so that implies, and I can confirm from my own experience, that human beings and other beings um, have the ability to directly interface with this stuff, we have the ability to interact with the metaphysical because uh, newsflash, we're a part of the metaphysical reality. It doesn't, pre- it doesn't supersede us and exist outside of us. We're actually a part of it too. And that's why it works. And then the last piece I really wanna bring up, this is kind of um, crucial. Uh, the skill that is involved in learning how to do the craft of any sorts, witchcraft, sorcery, whatever, The skill is an actual skill. Yes, there are people who are gifted in certain kinds of ways and certain other kinds of ways. I guarantee you, if there are people out there who have some sort of mystical gift for a particular kind of magic, uh, you know, they they say, Well, I'm good at witchcraft, and then their idea of witchcraft is like enchantments. You know, they're real good at enchantments. Um, They're not going to be good at everything else, they're going to be good at the things that they're good at, and they're not going to be good at everything. Um, one of my friends told me that weather magic was not a possible thing at all because she couldn't do it. And this is a woman who's been practicing witchcraft for 25 years. And she's like, it's just not a thing. It doesn't work. And so I said, sit down. And then I I waved my hands and said my little thing, and I summoned up a wind. And I was like, tell me that did not just happen. And she's like, well, it could have happened because of coincidence. I was like, but it didn't. She's like, I'll do it, I'm like, I'll do it again. And she's like, you can't, you can't claim these supernatural, you're not an X-man. And I'm over here going, I know a person who literally levitates things across the room. No, it is not like Jean Grey. No, it is not cool. It's usually kind of accidental and stupid. But she does it, and people have witnessed her do it. Um, I know a man who cannot put his hands on a computer without blowing it up. It doesn't matter whether he touches a key or not. Magic happens. And we have to get used to that um, if we're going to if we're going to lay claim to the profession of magic. But if you're not good at something, if you're like, oh well, I'm not good at curses, which must make me not a witch, which means magic isn't real, and blah blah blah. Don't jump so hastily to conclusions on that one, because you might just not be very good at it. And professional ethics require that you accept and admit that. That's something that I adhere to very, very firmly on my own. Um, if I'm not good at something, I just own that I'm not good at it, and I would like to know how to do it. Uh, P.S., if any of you know how to levitate shit, please contact me. <laughs> I will take lessons.
1: Does the person who, who can do the, the telekinesis thing not able to teach that?
0: No, it's completely accidental. She, oh, she drives me nuts. I asked her, actually, about it. And she took my classes, and she was like, Oh, well, um, I took your classes in hopes that I would learn how to handle this. And I'm like, Bitch, if I knew how to do that, I wouldn't be teaching classes. I'd be robbing banks.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's why you don't know how to do it.
0: I honestly believe that. Um, Jassy, who um, runs Hellbound Witch on Tumblr, uh, she had this great question for me one time. She goes, Because I was whining about how I haven't learned telekinesis yet. And I'm like, God damn it, I'm at least as cool as Prue Hallowell. And she goes, What would you do with this vaunted telekinesis if you were to develop it? And I kind of had no answer. And I was like, <laughs> Well, I mean, after I got a drink from the fridge without having to get up and go into the kitchen, um, I guess I'd become an assassin and just like murder people. And never that escalated get quickly. Right, well, that's the whole thing. Like, I'm like, There's a reason why I've not got this ability because if I were to do it, it would be a serious moral departure from where I normally am at. So maybe there's a good reason behind not having that power.
1: I think there's a good reason why most people do not have that power.
0: Well, that's true, but I'm not most people. I'm better than most people. <laughs> <laughs> I am the Leo. <laughs> yes, but my Mars is in Leo. So I do have a very high opinion of myself.
1: It's I guess we need to fun. have like, a bad astrology podcast at some point.
0: Oh, that would be a great idea. You know what? We could invite... Uh, we could invite, ask the timekeeper to that one. He would love that.
1: All right. So astrology podcast. I am writing it down. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about the uh, mechanics of what it is that I do.
0: Yes, and then it's my turn.
1: Yes. Um. So one of the things I can do is make sure that Mercury has a neck. I, I have that. <laughs> I have that option and that decision. Um, and that power. I, it is part of the ethics of what I do that I have to deliver not just a drawing that is of the entity depicted, but is also um, good art. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I'm gonna have like a tiny bit of grain of salt to put to the side here. One of the things I do not like about a lot of occult and sometimes pagan art is that because it's such a small like genre that there are artists who are actually really not good who can get away with depicting quite a lot of things and actually making quite a lot of money off of it because there's hardly any competition
0: right
1: um and sometimes it concerns me on a level of just artistic integrity like okay i know that there's like not a lot of people who are doing like you know this particular entity or doing this particular type of thing but if you are doing that then you owe it to yourself and especially any deities that you're claiming to portray to do it as well as you can and invest yourself in improving like your craft and your skill so that you can do it in a way that really honors them and that's like that was a high pressure thing for me like i haven't always been able to just stick a neck on someone necks are really hard to draw by the way like i challenge you to draw a neck and then you're going to realize necks are hard to draw um,
0: yeah, I, don't, I don't. I don't draw for reasons that are known to everyone.
1: Yeah, and so you already know necks are hard to draw. <laughs> um, like if you're like, no, I'm not going to draw a neck, then you're already admitting yes, necks are hard to draw. <laughs> um, and so to be able to 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 make something that actually looks good, but also um, is of the entity being portrayed. And also, is doing the job that the entity wants because, like, um, if somebody wants me to draw an entity for them, there are two components that are always being asked for, whether or not the person is actually asking for it, and two components that I will definitely serve. One, they want to see that deity or spirit as it appears to them. Right. And like different, like I did um, art for um, Jassy. Uh-huh. I did Artemis and Apollo, and those, are, those have been posted on the Tumblr, and one of the things that she you know, commented publicly on was the fact that they are her Artemis and Apollo as she sees them. Right. And you can't get that anywhere else. Right. Um, and
0: that's (laughs) that's something I want to point out, just in case. This isn't a sales blog where we're trying to sell you all uh, people's merchandise who come on the blog. But we are going to sell it. And one of the things that I am going to sell upsell in this situation is um, that's one of the benefits of getting any sort of a reading from Felix. He literally draws what you're seeing in your head, what you're experiencing mystically. He draws that shit. I'm not kidding. This is not a joke, and this is not a drill. Go commission him.
1: Well, and you don't have to. Although, if you want to, that's fine. You do. Um, you have to. I, I'm. Uh, I can't, I, can't I can't make runes say different things. Um, <laughs> true. I, I don't have a list or anything. Like I seriously, this is genuine. So. So, but what is important about that is that that's the part that's magic. The part where, like, I don't actually know for a fact what these deities or spirits or whatever look like to these people. Usually, I don't know any of these people. You know, Jasmine is an exception. But um, there's lots of people who, like, are just ordering from overseas or whatever. Maybe they've seen my blog. They just found me via Etsy. And um, they are... Just wanting spirit art because not many people offer it, and so that's kind of just how they find me. But what I deliver to them, they're like, "Oh my gosh, I like did not realize that you'd be able to see that detail or this detail. I didn't even, I never even told anybody about that." Um, that's exactly as they appear to me. Oh, you drew this this thing like you know this bird is meaningful to them, and you actually drew that in there, and I had no idea that that would actually show up. Like that's just stuff they don't expect. That is the part that is magical and that's actually the part that keeps me going because like I'm actually a really good character designer and I love doing fantasy art and you know just like what I would call like non-spirit art if you ask if you give me a prompt I can make up all kinds of stuff And it took me repeated drawings over the years for different people without asking them specifically what that was, but just kind of figuring out, like, hey, I'm going to draw this thing around you, and I'm going to ask you what you think about it. And you're going to say, oh, that's that spirit that always shows up. How did you do that? That was basically me testing over the course of years. like, Am I doing a repeatable phenomenon that is not just me picking up on stuff that people say? And, you know, creatively rearranging that into something that looks so good that they'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm it's that thing because it looks so good that I want it to be that thing. Right. Um, And that kind of testing to, you know, really, really verify and prove that I am doing something that is not achievable in any other way besides, you know, magic. And, you know, some people are going to say that this is psychic stuff, but um, the magic component is usually in that. The spirit is often asking me to draw them in a certain way that actually has an effect. Right. And so having that drawing there, you know, works as a talisman in that it's like having the spirit there or the deity there. Um, And so it can give their influence to the area. Usually people put these on altars. Sometimes they have a very specific purpose for, you know, what aspect they're showing up in. Or, um, you know, this art is meant for you to meditate on this subject. Or if you look at this art and um, concentrate on it for a while, then you'll be able to communicate with this spirit more easily because it's it's a focus like that. It usually has some sort of um additional component in that area and i don't follow up with everybody on exactly what happens with all their art and stuff for one you know it's their lives and so i don't want to poke into everything but yeah i do get stories back from people on occasion um or they tell me what they what they intend to do with it right and uh, or i get you know some people come back for repeat um they, they come back for more art of other stuff and so you know i'm doing like a lot of ancestor art for one person. And, you know, I get to kind of see the ongoing um, pieces that come from that, how they relate to each other and um, how they're similar to each other. And then I'll do like this demon art for someone else. And it's like, you know, uh, for the ancestor art, these were like, you know, people shaped people. You know, obviously right. we're alive at some point and have all their limbs in the right places. Whereas this demon art I do for this other person, it's like there's like five heads involved in this. <laughs> and no anatomy whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just completely different stuff. Um, for completely different people, for completely different purposes. Right. Well, so, you know, yeah.
0: see, I the reasons behind doing a lot of this stuff um, become, I don't know, like... I figure everybody's got different reasons for doing what they do, and every everybody has different reasons to have like, like professional ethics or emotional reasons behind all this sort of stuff. Um, I'm just I'm enthralled personally with what they are, like how it works. That's my favorite thing about it. And um, so, like I'm, I'm a cardamancer. I've I've made that pretty clear. Um, what that basically means is I use cards to do my spells. Um, I'm very big on paper magic. I like to um, burn offertory uh, things using like like origami or something to that effect. But I also do paper charms that are like very similar to Japanese Ofuda. Um, similar, but not the same. I wanna make that very clear. They're not the same. Um, I am not actually an onmyoji. I just play one on TV. Um, I just sort of study the stuff and that's great. Um, but anyway, uh, cartomancy is actually a really big deal for me and it sucks because I'm not an artist so I have to kind of like learn how to make my tarot do tricks that Felix can generally kind of make happen just by drawing and he will take a couple of hours to get something done and I have to come up with other ways of doing it. Um, anyway, um, the reason that it works, according to the paradigm that I express, um, the stuff that I teach people about is it comes down to a philosophical maxim, which is a very simplistic, generalized maxim of, the light moves the dark. That's my way of saying, there are forces in this world, and they move the substance of this world. And those forces we refer to mutually as light. And since I'm such an optical kind of visual paradigm, um, literally, it appears as light to me, and it always has. Like, it has always appeared to me as visuals. I've always seen things. And so, like, like when I was probably, I want to say 12, maybe? Um, nah, I couldn't have been. I'm uh, more, more like 10. Um, I picked up a book on how to read and see the aura. And, like, the book taught me how to focus my attention on the aura. It didn't really teach me how to see the aura because I was already seeing it. It was mostly teaching me how to read what I was seeing. Um, So the idea is the light moves the dark, which literally means like the forces that you're interacting with, the the magical powers, those exist, and they impact reality. They affect the physical by changing the format of the metaphysical. Um, What causes weather patterns? What causes... Um, potassium imbalance, what causes uh, spontaneous regeneration of tissue, that kind of stuff is all based on what goes on in the metaphysical, which is a a pretty common occult philosophy. So if you understand that then, and, and you are willing to embrace the concept of that force as light, when you're interacting with magic, a lot of it has to do with sight and perception. It has to do with seeing stuff because light illuminates. So talismans are pictorial for me. And to a blind person, this might actually be somewhat of a problem, but they would probably have a unique perspective that allowed them to do something else, something maybe more involving music or tactile senses or something. Music is also very important to me. And I have I just haven't gotten into the paradigm of it yet because my voice is only passable these days. Um, and I am terrible with instruments. But that's kind of what I wanted to get into. A person's practical paradigm is often shaped by their talents. We often explore reality based on our talents, our our uh, abilities, our natural aptitudes, and our willingness to explore a particular skills. So if you have one, there's it's very likely that you're going to be able to turn it into something magic if you're so inclined. If you are an exceptional chef, there is like an entire library full of like material out there on kitchen witchery and on on culinary magic. Um, if you are an herbalist or an alchemist, if you are an artist, if you are a carpenter, there are always practices that you can turn to your purpose. I am an exceptional person. Uh, I'm exceptionally good at reading. At divining, at understanding patterns and helping people figure out plans, I'm really good at understanding behavior, and I'm 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 good at figuring out reasons why stuff happens. So I'm a good reader. I'm a good card reader. That was a natural thing for um, cardamancy, and it actually runs in my family. It's something that like half my Well, half my my immediate family does, and then uh, has been something that we have traditionally done throughout various generations. So, it became real easy for me to get involved in that. Um, The light moves you. It starts with you. So, what you do carries light in it. If you want it to be magic, do stuff and let the light shine through. Um, there are a million and a half examples in fiction and occult nonfiction that you can use to try to harness that particular idea. I tend to shy away from terms like energy, um, intent, any of these kinds of things that people use as buzzwords, and we'll get into those in various dish places. Um, but They are, they're they're euphemisms, they're metaphors. Really what it is, is you're trying to explain something that you can barely understand, but it is there. Uh, Felix, I'm noticing that it's almost 10 minutes till we're done.
1: That's right. Although we don't have a, we don't have a bedtime because there's no mommy anymore.
0: That's true. Um,
1: But I figured that you were... You kind of wrapped that up into something that sounded really cool. And well, that's nice that's, of you. I thought yeah. like I rambled all over the place, but okay. No, you wrapped it up to something that sounded really cool. That's what I say, and I'm the one who can hit the stop recording button if things go, like, crappy. So That is true. Um, we haven't had to do that yet, Haha. Yay. But that does wrap up the discourse. Now we can have dessert. Yay, and
0: dessert is divinity. We shall divine for you.
1: That's right, and there are some questions. Yay, we got questions. I'm so glad someone asked questions.
0: Okay, so today's form of divination is, let me check this to make sure
1: that I'm right. Oh, and is there? There is. Tell us the, the, the buzzword, like the phrase that we have for our divine session. Uh, oh, yes, that's right. Uh,
0: let me go ahead and look that up real quick. Um, our. Our magical phrase for our divine divination section is Celtic crosshairs because I hate that spread. (laughs) You are
1: in the Celtic crosshairs.
0: That's right. So our theme for this week is dueling divination systems. We're going to do the dual deck duel. Felix and I both have a deck uh, that we love and um, we're going to use them together to do divination and see what they what they say.
1: That's right, um, we're gonna see if the phone calls are coming from inside the house or,
0: <laughs> or
1: what. I love it when you say that. <laughs> the phone calls are coming from inside the house. Oh my gosh, I don't oh even have God. a landline. Um, White girl fear. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. I am going to take a look through our questions. So hold yes. on just a second. OK, so I started looking through the questions, and then we were discussing the first question, and now we have an interesting discussion point because of what the question is about. Yeah. And so, um, so
0: tell us the question.
1: This is the question, and the the handle of this person is Jamie Lannister is my husband. <laughs> um, oh, you poor dear. I don't even understand that reference, because I don't watch that show, haha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Would it be wise of me to get that hag spirit and sexy vampire from that spirit shop I've been eyeing? And my initial reaction was, "Oh no!" And then, and my reaction was
0: like, "What?" And I exactly because like, at first I thought it was something completely different. Like at first I, and I will admit. This, uh, freely without, you know, any shame. Um, I first thought that you were talking about, like, there's a Halloween store, and oh. you're talking about Halloween decorations, and then That'd I realized be... this was an actual occult question, and then I was like, oh, wait, this is like when people buy those familiar spells, and like, those familiar spells are meant to, like, help you bond with a familiar of some sort by drawing it to you, and no, that's no, not what's going on. if this is
1: anything like, it... okay, so... There's no, this this advice just is not attached to a reading, but I'm just going to tell you what I know about spirit companion shops. I don't like any of them. That's my opinion. But also, like, you don't need them if you want to work with spirits. You'd be like, hey, hag spirits, I like want one. Does anybody, is, are there any hag spirits that want to hang out with me? I'm not saying this, by the way. Felix does not want a hag spirit, although I'm sure you're very nice. Um, It's like. <laughs> If you want to work with spirits, you can do that on your own. You do not need to buy a rock.
0: Um, (laughs) Okay, so, and then I'm going to say this. Yeah. Um, I don't agree that you can just make bonds with whatever spirit you just set your mind on, because I have actually personally found problems with that. I know that Felix has not had those problems, and I actually am a bit jealous of him for that.
1: Oh, no, it hasn't worked with everything. I'm just saying, like, if you buy this rock that somebody says has a hag spirit attached and it's all going to go fine because you bought this rock and they, they they say that they basically put the spirit into the rock or the necklace or the my little pony figure.
0: Yes. Well, I know and that um, was the other thing what I was yeah. going to say is okay. If they if they tell you that their little talisman or their little like object uh, is going to help attract a guide to you, then you're probably fine. However, yeah, fine. if they gave you something, if they give you something and say, "Hey, I stole you a friend. (laughs) Um, Please don't. And I'm going to say please don't, not from the reading perspective, which I still intend we're going to pull a card on this.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. This
0: is going to happen. We have to read this. This is brilliant. Um, I'm going to say personally don't from my personal position, uh, simply because results may vary and they might be telling you that's what they're doing, but you might be doing all the work yourself. Please don't. If you're going to be doing your hear... work all by yourself anyway, then don't. And yeah. I've run into these, and I like seriously had a friend say, "Oh yes, this incredibly powerful dragon spirit was sealed into this." Blah, 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 blah. And she handed me a piece of aventurine, and it was about as empty and dead as a piece of plastic. And I looked at this and was like, "This is the saddest. This is the saddest piece of, of pretty I've ever seen in my life." And that's really, really unhappy for me because I love stone magic. And I'm like, seriously, this piece of venturing feels like tears. Like, it doesn't feel like anything good. So, no. So, I'm going to just, from my perspective, tell you no. But let's see what the cards say.
1: Yeah, and also I want to make a note that some of these shops or whatever might have a community around them that, that totally vouches for everything that they do in there, and they may actually have good experiences, or they may just be a community of people who all kind of are drinking the same Kool-Aid.
0: Right. Um. So, so you really have to other, watch with that. <laughs> one way or the other, if you're not a part of that community, it may not be as valid for you or useful as you think it might be from outside. So, yeah. all right, let's go ahead and draw the card. So,
1: Yeah, we're one, both using... We're both now, using the same deck.
0: We are both using the Silhouettes first edition because we're both a bunch of deck snobs, and that is how that goes. And um, this is my baby. I call it my pretty shadows.
1: So I wasn't a snob. I was just lucky.
0: Yes, you were. <laughs> and you're lucky I'm dating you because I might have that from you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and pull a card. One, two, three, go. No, no! Oh, that's terrible! (laughs) Okay, hold on, you gotta give my
1: deck time to catch up, because I was still shuffling. Alright, we're gonna draw a middle card, because this is an interesting little sandwich we got going here. Oh, Jesus. So... Alright, what's up? Oh, god,
0: I got the Fool inverted.
1: I got the Seven of Wands. (laughs) Oh,
0: so not good. Um, All right, uh, I drew first, so I'm going to interpret first. Um, The Fool inverted, it says, uh, uh, Molly, you in danger, girl. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Specifically, it says, No, definitely not. Do not do the thing. Do not pass go. Unless you're interested in being an idiot and having idiot experiences happen to you, which, by the way, please let me tell you, do not deny... The value of doing idiot things. Because all of us are fucking idiots when it comes to an awful lot of magical practice. So, if you're looking to make a seriously dumb mistake and eh, not have a whole lot of horrible things happen to you, but like, you know, you've come, you kind of might fall off a cliff if you believe too much, uh, then fly, pupa pan, fly.
1: Fly, pupa fly. Fly. All right, so my deck spat out the Seven of Wands. Um, I love how you said it, it spat
0: out the, de- the Seven <laughs> of Wands. I can just imagine it. It's like, pfft, this is what I got for you.
1: Well, okay, so... Um, the Seven of Wands in this deck is like six torches coming up against like this foreboding witch that's standing on a hill.
0: She's so cute.
1: She is. And it's like, are you the witch or are you the torches? And here it's like, okay, look... Unless you're willing <laughs> right. to be the biggest, baddest-ass witch of all time um, and come up against a lot of torches. And still, it's not even worth it because they burned down your house and your broom is on fire and your bat got wet. Oh, um, these
0: are not nice
1: things. Like, And then you don't even like end up with like the cool hack spirit. So you could like have a learning experience or you could just not do this.
0: That's kind of what I was getting to. It was very much like, um, trust your judgment. You know something shady is going on.
1: I mean, it just seems weird to buy a sexy vampire.
0: That was a big mistake. Like <laughs> that, I didn't even get to the sexy vampire part in my discussion. Like, A, don't buy vampires. They're not worth the price of admission. Uh, <laughs> as someone who used to literally hang out with crew, uh, like, after crew of vampires, just don't. I mean, they can be fun if they're, like, human beings that are fun. But, like, otherwise, just don't anyway uh okay but then i'm the first i'm the last person to find a vampire sexy just so we're clear Anyway, uh what's the next question
1: the next question is from scaredy cat shadow
0: scaredy cat shadow i like your name
1: it's so cute and i'm just gonna read this whole ask yeah just read it podcast question mark question mark question mark exclamation point explanation bang that's so exciting (laughs) And I hope ridiculous questions are okay for the reading segment. Oh, they yes, they are. After this, they are. Because that's all I can come up with right now. I've been given a quest that involves actually going outside, but I am a sentient shadow form that is afraid of the dark. Is there a way for me to complete my quest without, you know, actually going anywhere? Oh. Scaredy cat shadow.
0: While I can't relate to that whole, like, description of your other Kinsona, um, I can empathize with not wanting to go the hell outside. I've had that all day today. And I had to go outside several times. So all right.
1: I wonder if this is metaphorical.
0: Even if it isn't, I don't care. Like I love this question and I love it's, the person who asked it.
1: It's perfect for this deck too, because this is like, you know, the silhouettes tarot. It's it all really like is. shadows.
0: And in case anybody is interested, shadows are automatically away to my pants. Just so we're clear, shadows are sexy. Pants go right off. So Uh, Let's go ahead and take a look at what the cards say.
1: Well, you go first, Shadow Pants.
0: Really? (laughs) (laughs) All right. I got the Queen of Pentacles inverted, um, which is, she's literally saying you can't get there from here. So um, your question was, is there a way to do this quest but, like, not go outside is the way I'm reading that? Yeah. Like, or to get around your limitations. Is there a way
1: for me to complete my quest without actually, you know, going anywhere?
0: Right, and um, the cards say a quest is a quest one way or the other. The queen literally says to you, the queen is always about nurturing and practicality. And when she's inverted, she's all about, I don't want to deal with things. I know it's not going to work. I don't fucking care. She's kind of like, she just kind of throws her hands up and just kind of like whines kind of a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is fine. I mean, she's the most whiny of the queens. If she's gonna, if one of them is going to whine, she's the one who gets to deserve it. So she just wants her goddamn tea, and she wants her food, and she just wants people to leave her the hell alone, and she just... she's done. Um, the Queen of Pentacles in this particular situation suggests that this might actually apply to you as well. That you might just be fucking done and whatever. But she also wants you to know that she knows that she's not getting anything practical done, she knows that she's being neurotic, and she knows that she's having problems about this stuff, and she advises you the same way that she advises herself, eat your goddamn cookie, and when you feel better, just go outside and do the thing.
1: Eat your goddamn cookie.
0: So, there you go.
1: I find it interesting that you pulled that card, because I pulled the Ten of Pentacles.
0: The <laughs> have a queen in her castle.
1: <laughs> That's right. And so, with the Ten of Pentacles... Um, it's a similar answer to what Rune gave. There's kind of two sides to this coin. Haha, <laughs> it's a tarot joke. Har, har, um, har, har, har. So the 10 of pinnacles is like the culmination of the um, numbered cards of pinnacles. It's like, hey, at the end of all that work and all that questing and everything, you've got your reward. You've got like this, you know, it's the 10 pinnacles. You have the thing and the stuff and you're done. And here it's like, okay, well inside you have all the stuff that you already have from your other time that you already have gotten the ten of pentacles like you can settle with what you already have and what you've already earned and that's great you've got that here and you whenever you stay inside you've got all that stuff and enjoy it um and if that's all the stuff that you ever want that's fine you can stay inside but if you want more the next reward you gotta go then you've got to go earn it you have to go anytime that you want another ten of pentacles you got to go earn it through with one through nine um and
0: you know that is interesting because like one of the things that i would say that has and i'm just going to read your card for you because i'm an asshole well
1: it's Um, this deck so i mean that's like the side effect (laughs)
0: right and that's the problem with reading decks that we both own that we both love is we're both going to have opinions which is fine um and i've just decided it's fine um but like one of the things i would actually kind of point out with the ten of pentacles coming right after the queen it's almost like it says think about your rewards that will help motivate you oh yeah you know what I mean? Like, focus on the This is definitely rewards. a
1: rewards card.
0: Definitely. Oh, it's a rewards card. Is it a rewards card from, from Starbucks? Well, you
1: know, it actually is a rewards card because if you think about it, when you get a rewards card in a rewards card program, it's usually like ten holes and you have to, like, punch one each time that you go to the place. That is
0: so perfect.
1: And so the Ten of Pentacles is like you finally filled out your rewards card and you get the that thing. That is
0: such a good metaphor. I'm going to keep that one forever, you know. There you go okay so I think we've read that one what's the next question
1: uh let me see if there is another question or if no one I has... know there were at
0: least two more questions
1: <laughs> were they on the actual post
0: uh, I don't know about that I just know that there were two more questions and um, one of them apparently is very important
1: oh 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 oh! that's right that's right
0: okay yeah
1: yeah let me Um, I
0: I don't know how uh... I feel about it being important but apparently it's important to the one asking
1: well, why don't you get to that important question? Okay, so use that one next.
0: Dancing Mad 90210 asks, "Why am I so sad inside?"
1: That's an important question. Dancing Where? Mad 90210. Right. <laughs> you 90s child you. <laughs> oh no. Oh. What what are you oh knowing about? I, I pulled my card. <laughs> oh okay, I'm, I'm still getting there, um, because I like to do three shuffles each time.
0: Yeah, I did like five.
1: Okay, I'm just well, fast. That's true. I'm a, yeah. a bit deliberative. So, okay, I pulled mine. You go first.
0: Death. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Literally, you're so sad because things die. <laughs> Which. It's funny if you know anything about
1: him at all. Oh, great. Well, my answer is even better because of all the things that you know about him. Um, I got the Knight of Wands. (laughs) You are so sad because you need to go set everything on fire.
0: That's very true.
1: Just, you know, the the sadness is motivating you to go and do what must be done in the world by you. I'm
0: also going to point out that the Knight of Wands is the most social of all the four (laughs) knights. That's true. And he always has an entourage, so literally, you're so sad because you have no friends, Emo Kid.
1: Oh, because you <laughs> set them all on fire. Because you
0: set everything on fire. Are so... we going to say
1: who this is?
0: Oh, don't say who it is. Okay. No, it's a secret. Let him keep his secrets. That's true. He doesn't true. have that many to begin with.
1: Oh, it's true. Okay. <laughs>
0: Just know that he is someone we both know and love and is giggling his ass off about these answers, so that's That's fine. right. All right, we okay. move on. And then there's another question, at least, or are you, do you want to ask it?
1: Uh, let's I, see, that was, oh, that's right, that's right. Do uh, you want to read it? What do I do with all this salt?
0: And who is that
1: from? The entirety of Tumblr.
0: I love that username. Um, so, what do I do with all this salt? All this salt, it's all your fault.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You go ahead, I'm still shuffling.
0: Um, I got the Five of Swords, which is literally like, I do what I want. Whatever, whatever, I do what I want. Literally, the Five of Swords is all about the person involved doing what they want and fuck everyone else. So, that is hilariously funny.
1: You know what I got? What did you get? I got the Five of Wands.
0: Oh, no! <laughs>
1: Start a war.
0: That's right. Start a
1: nuclear war at the gay bar, gay bar, gay bar.
0: I love that you know that song. (laughs) I understood that reference. (laughs) Okay, but now here's the thing. Did you watch that as a, a World of Warcraft video? Because I did.
1: I actually watched it as a Bleach video.
0: Oh, I do not understand what the reference.
1: I will have to show you. And I think with that, we're probably going to wrap up our podcast.
0: We are. That is it for us tonight. So, for all of you out there who have listened to us, thank you for your patience. Um, And we hope you join us again the next time when we discuss yet another uncomfortable topic and shed a whole bunch of salt upon the universe.
1: And light.
0: Well, I mean, salt is a crystal. That's right. (laughs) always remember that. Our parting words, remember that salt is a crystal and light passes through a crystal, and I'm sure that makes sense to someone.
1: All right, thanks guys. Until next time, may the circle of salt protect you.
0: Yes.